0: I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, the trade deadline has come and gone, so no better time than to bring on Keith Smith. I was joined by my FedMGM co-host Ryan Horvath and Nick Ashu. We recorded right after the deadline. Keith is a real deal NBA insider. He works for SpoTrack, breaks down all the tea. You know more than you can ever want. Amazing double-length episode. So do me a favor, Nick, and drop that beat. Keith was as shocked as I was about the trade deadline. He gets right into the Suns trade and what it means.
1: I, absolutely wild dead deadline. I did not expect it to go quite like this. So we're, but we're, we'll see. These deals are all going final now. Some of them are going to structure as multi-team deals. But we're going to be in the range of 20 total deals in season. And about 15 or 16 of them are going to have happened in the last... Uh, about 12, 15 hours or so, uh, which is absolutely incredible. So I think we're in a spot now where the league is exactly what you said it's wide open. These teams feel like they have a chance to win, so they're going after it. And, and we saw, you know, it kind of becomes an arms race in the Western Conference, especially a couple East teams tried to uh, do some things to shore up their their positioning. But yeah, it's, it's you know, really wide open in the NBA right now.
0: I was really struck, Keith, because uh, Matt Ishbia just took over yesterday, <laughs> and uh, and his first order of business was to make sure that he got Kevin Durant before the deadline and before that night ended. Right? Was that something that we can say is is going to be a foreshadowing of how aggressive he's going to be as an owner and what that means for the Phoenix Suns in the future? I mean, what what sort of struck you about that trade?
1: Yeah, it, it could be something where when, when we look back on this 10 years or so from now, we're like, man, this guy came out day one really making big moves and he's never stopped. But then I think back to Mark Cuban when he took over the Mavs and they made a million big trades and they were trading and signing everybody under the sun that they could get and then he became actually down the line one of the more conservative owners for quite a while so i think this was i want to make a big splash and i know kevin durant wants to be here let's go get him if we can and they had that opportunity to go get him as everything kind of went sideways in brooklyn so i think this is more let's jump on it let's make something happen than it was anything where it became a you know we want to read into this and say,
0: yeah, this is
1: a, you know, this is what it's going to be like in Phoenix forever.
0: How would you assess that trade in terms of the details and the pieces got they got moved and, and who benefited more or, you know, what, did anyone win or lose that trade in your opinion?
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard to know on the Nets side because we've got years upon years of draft picks. We're, we've got some 7th and 8th graders that are going to be picked with, with a couple of those picks. So it's going to be a long time before we know the end story. But, you know, I think the Nets in a tough situation this week after Kyrie on Friday basically said, get me out of here. Uh, they, they did fine in that trade. They did really well in this trade, I think. It's Kevin Durant, so it's hard when you trade one of the best players in the league and an MVP candidate. But you got Mikael Bridges back, you got Cam Johnson back, and you got – Four draft picks and a pick swap. And some of those picks are going to come probably long after Kevin Durant is retired. So we don't even know what the Suns will be at that point. So I think long term, the Nets look great in this. In the immediate, it's obviously the Suns. As long as KD can come out of the all-star break healthy and ready to go, the Suns are a title contender. It's going to be very, very hard to slow down that offense because this is kind of Chris Paul's dream now. He can just orchestrate, probably doesn't ever have to shoot if he doesn't want to, and set up Devin Booker, set up Kevin Durant make sure DeAndre Aiton gets some touches, and just kind of do their thing.
0: One of the teams that didn't do much this trade deadline season was the Grizzlies. Keith explains why they stood pat and what it means for their playoff chances.
1: Yeah, it's tough for them. They, I, I thought they should have made a bigger move and gone and gotten like OG Ananobi or somebody like that because they have the draft pick capital to spend. That team is basically the core group is there and locked in, and it was time to add to that group and step forward. But we're in a position in Memphis where they're still going to be pretty good. They'll probably finish. My guess is still probably finish second in the conference behind Denver, but behind them. Phoenix, the Clippers, uh, the, those teams get better, so they're they're, they're going to be pushing up the standings. The Warriors are still around, and the Warriors made made a, a, you know fairly minor ish move, but but it should help them on the court with getting Gary Payton the second back. So that, that's going to be something that'll be interesting to watch, and then the challenge for memphis is they might have this great regular season and then all of a sudden find themselves in the very first round of the playoffs looking at the warriors or maybe even the lakers who got a lot better in the span of the last couple days so that's a really tough spot to be in and luke Kennard's gonna help them really good shooter gives them a guy that they really needed they needed one more guy who could knock down jumpers but it's it's just doesn't feel like enough compared to what the other teams in the west did
0: the Lakers actually were the most active team on the trade market this week. But did they do it enough to move the needle? Keith weighs in on Los Angeles and their changed roster.
1: They're much better. Their challenge with the Lakers is everyone goes to, well, you know, they're only X amount of games behind, you know, fourth place and sixth place or eighth yeah. place or whatever. But their challenge is they're still 13th in the conference. That means you've got to climb a whole bunch of teams just to get up into the mix uh, for, for those spots. So that's where, you know, I keep telling people you keep talking about fourth place and those kind of things. It's probably not happening. Cause that means they have to go on a, incredible run to end of the season, you'll probably only lose four or five more times in their, their final 25 or so games. And then that involves, involves a whole bunch of teams in front of them losing, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times. And that's probably not going to happen with all those teams. So their work is cut out for them, but they're in a better place today than they were yesterday. Uh, I think getting D'Angelo Russell, uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley is huge for them, especially when the only guy they gave up of any kind of consequence is Russell Westbrook. And it sounds like that was headed that direction anyway, if we believe all the reporting that's coming out today. So they're, they're definitely better. I, I, the Thomas Bryant move, that was a little weird, but sounds like he didn't really want to be there anymore either. Uh, Mo Bamba, I, yeah, I'm not a big Mo Bamba guy, so I don't know how much he'll, he'll help them. But that that's a better roster. It's a roster that certainly makes a lot more sense. They have a lot more versatility. So they're going to be really good. But by putting themselves in the hole they did, it's going to be hard to dig out of it. I think they get into the play-in tournament, and let's see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about who, Keith, you think are going to stay on that Lakers team because you've got guys on expirings, right? I think D'Lo's on an expiring. I've, I can't remember if Beasley is as well. Uh, So you've got that, like, do these moves give them – is this like kind of a gap year? Does this give them more flexibility, less flexibility heading into the offseason?
1: They basically have almost the same amount of flexibility that they had prior to making any of these trades. I think what's important to know with, with these guys is they're in a spot where all of the players they took on they've really got control over moving forward. So D'Angelo Russell, you're right. He's an expiring contract. Uh, Malik Beasley, there's a team option for, for him. So the Lakers are controlled there. Jared Vanderbilt has a very, very light guaranteed amount for next season. Uh, Mo Bamba is fully non-guaranteed for next season. Uh, same as is uh, Devon Reed, who they got also from the Nuggets in the uh, Thomas Bryant uh, trade. So, so they're in a spot where, They can still get to $30 million in cap space if they really want to. But I think now what you're looking at is, well, we kind of like Malik Beasley. If he plays well, we keep him. Uh, We keep D'Angelo Russell. I would not be surprised if we see them extend D'Angelo Russell. They can give him a two-year deal with a fairly minor amount of raise um, involved off of his current pay. It would not be a surprise at all to me they extend him, and then that aligns his timeline with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so they would all be coming off the books at the same time, and if they need to hit a big reset in a couple years, that's when they
0: The Bucs added a great piece in Jake Crowder. Keith loves this move from Milwaukee as much as I do. Why is the question.
1: Yeah, George Hill. That that moves like when in Moneyball, uh, Billy Bean trades Carlos Pena. So so uh, Art Howe can't play him anymore, right? Like that's what what that reminds me of. So yeah, I'm with you because Javon Carter should have played more than him in the playoffs last year against the Celtics, but that's that's water under the bridge, I guess. Um, So I think Jay Crowder is is a huge upgrade for them, especially while they have Bobby Portis sign lined. They, They needed to get one more guy on the court that's kind of coming off the bench that's not six foot four, right? You just needed a little bit more size. Crowder's the guy who's been there, done that. He'll do a lot of the dirty work as far as defensively. He'll get in there and bang. You know, he's the kind of guy who's going to knock somebody down in a playoff game and, and then not pick them up, and that's going to get everybody kind of going one way or another. The question with him is, is he going to make shots? That's really it. But they've got enough offensive cover that if he's not making shots, they'll just pull him out and they'll play somebody else. So I think that was a really good depth addition for Milwaukee. Considering they give up George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was now. Uh, Jordan Nwara, Uh yeah, Jordan nawara guys yeah. who, yeah, guys who don't necessarily play for them. So yeah, why not? And They, they added a little bit to their tax uh, bill, which you know that ownership group should be lauded for. They they paid significant money to to keep that team together and keep keep chasing titles. With
0: the trade deadline kind of a fizzle, Keith gives us some insight into the buyout market, which is really about to heat up.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a couple of them. Reggie Jackson is, sounds like he's going to be out there. He got traded from the Clippers to the Hornets. I think um, Will Barton is getting close with, with the Washington Wizards. He'll likely be, be waived. So these are all guys. This is a little bit different. Normally what happens on the buyout market is it's these old veterans where it's kind of like I like to say they're more name than game. And that just is my way of saying, like, yeah, you recognize the name, but they're not very good, like, and they haven't been very good for a number of years. But this is a little bit different. Some of these guys can still play and can still help teams. And and there's not a sense, like, a lot of times in normal years, it's like, all right, this guy get traded, he's going to be bought out, and we all know where he's going. This year it's a little bit different because we there are so many contenders. A bunch of those contenders opened up roster spots. I think Boston has an open roster spot. Phoenix has has a uh, ability to take somebody in as well. Those are two teams that I know some of these guys are definitely looking at. I think Chris Haynes uh, reported that Reggie Jackson may get a look a look from Phoenix, and that would make a lot of sense for them as they they try to retool a little bit of their depth after adding Kevin Durant. So it, it's it's definitely going to be a very very busy bio market for sure.
0: The Clippers had a strange deadline day, and Keith wonders if they did enough to get over the hump. And I'm curious, Keith, about the Clippers. I just don't get it. Honestly, I thought that they were going to try to make a move for Fred Van fleet. And now it looks like, you know, you get rid of Reggie Jackson and you get rid of John wall. And what you're going to get now is bones Highland and Russell Westbrook. What am I missing?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think the Mason Plumlee edition does help them. They needed any big behind Avita Zubac right. at all. So that, that will help. But yeah, I mean Bones Highland. This is a guy the Nuggets, who are at the top of the conference and presumably competing with the Clippers to get to the finals. They were like, sure, well, we'll let him go, and for not even much of a return. So that that to me is a little worrisome. I, I think. They made their changes. They they are gonna be a different team now, and they're, they're gonna look different. But but we'll see. I know they weren't happy with their point guard play for most of the year with Reggie Jackson and Bob yeah. Wall. And now now we'll see what it what it looks like with Terrence Mann's gonna get the run there. Uh, you know, but we'll we'll see if they can poach somebody on the buyout market or not. They'll probably be pretty active. But yeah, a little bit of a disappointment from the Clippers for sure, which is. Kind of the term for this entire Clippers ever, quite frankly. Yeah.
0: Right. It's like they they were supposed to get a point guard, right? Do you have any insight in terms of why that fell apart?
1: Yeah. I I was told they really wanted Kyrie Irving, and that that was not just a smokescreen that they were trying to get in on getting Kyrie, and that turned into – yeah it just didn't go that way and they, they didn't have necessarily the same kind of assets to send back because they're a little pick poor and those kind of things uh there and, and then then they just ultimately chose to go a different direction so yeah they, they didn't get fred van vliet there was talk of kyle lowry i was so kyle lowry's market was basically nil everybody was kind of like this guy yeah. looks like he might be done uh so i i think for that clippers they looked at it and said it hey, was playing pretty good when we actually show up and take it at least semi-seriously and play most of our guys. So we'll, we'll do some additions around the edges and kind of keep it moving that way. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Raptors are a team that was expected to make many moves and instead ended up adding instead of selling, getting Jakob Pertl instead of moving anyone. What does this mean? Key test thoughts.
1: You and me both. Uh, and a lot of people around <laughs> the league, it, it, it was, you know, one of those things where everybody kind of, we got to about two thirty and was like, all right, are we finally going to get the big Raptors uh, trades to, to drop? And then they just never kind of happened. And and yeah. they, they were positioned where they made it pretty clear early on or at the really the end of last week, like, we're not going to be full-on sellers here. We're we're gonna try to still be pretty good if we can. Where we're gonna, you know, maybe move some guys, but we're gonna bring some guys in, and we, we don't want to fully tear this thing down and bottom it out. And and Jakob Pertle is fine, and he'll be a nice addition for them, and he'll probably be their long-term center moving forward. But there's a lot more work to be done on that roster. It's an even a weirder roster now because now everybody's to the slide. They don't necessarily really fit all that great in. So I'm just really not sure what what they're doing. And that's where, where a lot of people were feel feels like a very big missed opportunity for them when we saw what the prices some of these guys were fetching that they didn't move OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, uh Gary Trent Jr., guys like that.
0: In this segment, Keith gets into the Mavs and what Kyrie means to them moving forward. Hint hint, he likes it. And then of course we get into the strange, bizarre James Wiseman saga
1: going to be really, really good offensively. They're, they're really going to push and, and uh, make it tough on other teams to defend them. It's essentially Kyrie Irving gives them a souped-up version of what Jalen Brunson was. I don't have the worries that a lot of people came up with of there's only one ball or these guys are going to be able to play together. Kyrie's played with LeBron. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's going to be fine. He knows how to play with other guys. It, in this year, he'll probably be on his best behavior. rest of the season, everything will probably be fine. It's your – two, three, and beyond. If it goes that far, we're, we'll probably see some kind of circus that sends everything spiraling. But for now, they should be fine. Their challenges, they don't have anybody other than Josh Green, who's a very young player that really plays a lot of defense. Maxi Klebel will come back, and he should help them defensively. But I think for them, they're going to have to try to beat teams, you know, 120 to 115 a lot of nights. And we'll, we'll see if they've, they've got enough offensive firepower to go. I think they're probably in a tier below some of those other West teams are really loaded up and improved.
0: I'm really curious Keith, uh, the James Wiseman experiment comes to an end (laughs) and Joe Lacob loved him some James Wiseman boy. He did not want to let him go. He did not want to say it was a mistake. Somehow Bob Myers in in the final year of his deal figured out a way to pry James Wiseman from Joe Lacob's hands and they get Gary Payton back. Uh, What do you make of what the Warriors did at the deadline?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a pretty big upgrade because Gary Payton can play and we've no sense that James Wiseman can and Gary Payton was a huge part of them winning the title last year so uh, they're, they're going to get him very obviously right they just plug him right back in and just hey do your thing you know, do, do what you do and, and they'll move forward with that so that's big for them to get a guy who can fill rotation minutes and do a lot of things for them for a guy who wasn't filling rotation minutes it was never going to work with James Wiseman in Golden State it's just gone too far there's too much pressure pressure on him because they needed to win you have the draft status hanging over him this fresh start for him in detroit is huge because he'll get there get a chance to play there well we'll find out here over the next couple of years if this kid can really play or not i think there's still a player in there it just wasn't ever going to happen in golden state and kind of kudos for them it took him a long time to get there but they finally did realize and move away from this whole well, silly, you know, we we're gonna have two timelines and you know, 20 years of dominance and all this stuff. Build around your core now, do right by Steph and Clay and Dre and those guys and try to win today.
0: Yeah, I was just really following up on that James Wiseman of the Pistons. It kind of feels like he's a perfect piston, right? Just like feeding <laughs> off of athleticism, you know, not a yeah. lot of you know, a lot more organized chaos or less organized chaos. Uh, what does that mean, I guess, for Jalen Duran, too?
1: Yeah, kind of funny, two Memphis guys right there that are now going to kind of go head-to-head. But I think if you're the Pistons – Let's throw them out there. You know, we'll split the minutes down the middle. Whoever's playing better, we'll get more of them, and we'll, we'll just figure it out. I think Detroit has really handled things. And since Cade Cunningham went down and was kind of, all right, our season's not going to go so great, it wasn't let's go completely in the tank here and let's trade Bogdanovich and sit all these guys because then it gets really messy. And, and if you're getting blown out and getting your head kicked in every single night, You get nothing out of that. It just doesn't go well for you. So I think for them, it turns into, let's try to be at least semi-competitive, but we're going to play all these kids. We're going to throw them out there. We're going to play... Big lineups, small lineups. You know, lineups with three guards, lineups with you know three bigs. We're going to do all sorts of stuff and, and try it. The, giving up on Sadiq Bay, that's a little odd to me, but sounds like there were some odds between him and the, the the front office there, and maybe the coaching staff. So that's probably why that went that way. But very, very interesting, you know, moves here by Detroit as they kind of continue this rebuild.
0: Keith in this clip breaks down who he thinks is going to be the team to beat in the East. No surprises here. He likes Boston and Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I think Milwaukee and Boston are the two best teams. I think they're in a tier of their own at the top of the conference. Those teams, two teams are very, very good. Uh, they've proven that. Philly, for me, that loss to Boston without three starters and then a fourth starter goes down at halftime, and the Celtics really controlled the entire second half. That says to me I just – I don't know where Philly's going. They just can't seem to get by the Celtics when no matter what happens, Joel Embiid just doesn't have it. They just can't get there. So I, I think, you know, if you're the Celtics, you're looking at the Bucs, that's the team you're worried about. And and we'll see. You know, they feel pretty good against the Bucs, but they feel really good against everybody else. I think Cleveland's probably a year away. This is the year to get into the playoffs, experience what it's like to play the same team four, five, six, seven times in a two-week period, see what, it, what it's like, how you have to make adjustments to win playoff games. And then they'll really get after it next season but for now boston milwaukee maybe philly i also don't necessarily trust philly to stay healthy that's a whole other yeah. issue but it's yeah. uh you know it, it's tough you know but i i think you know now it's kind of celtics box and everybody else is hoping maybe something happens and we can sneak in
0: keith gets into what's left for the brooklyn nets after losing their star players and then he gives me the tea about what's going on with my portland trailblazers
1: I think now you let Sean Marks do what he did after the Boston trade. When he came in, it was, hey, all those picks are gone. that's sunk cost, we can't get those back. Now we start the process of trying to build this team back up. And he did a really good job. I call it the diamond mining process. That's how they found Spencer Dinwiddie. That's how they found Joe Harris. And how they did that was, hey, we're going to use the bottom three, four spots on our roster. We're going to constantly churn it. We're going to bring new guys in. We're going to keep trying guys out. And, you know, eventually we might try 10 guys, but one of them might pop and stick and say, hey, this is an NBA guy. And now now we move it forward. I think that's what they start. Now they're starting from a little bit better of a place. Because Mikhail Bridges is really, really good. Cam Johnson's pretty good. So I, I think what they're gonna have to avoid is if they can get into a spot where it's, you know what, we're pretty good. We're a 45, 50 win team, and you know, we're fourth, fifth in the conference, and we're competitive. You can't then say, hey, There's two stars who really want to come to New York. Let's go get them, because if they're not the right two stars, it all goes sideways on you so very quickly. I mean, the people were telling me, you know, two years ago, oh man, now KD's back. This team's going to be dominant. They they won one playoff series. That's it, one playoff series in their entire time together there in Brooklyn, and that's you know that's just like you said, that's a massive massive failure. And now it's we got to start over again and pick up the pieces. But they're doing it with some pretty good players and a whole boatload of draft and probably more coming when they get into the summertime and beyond.
0: Keith, that would be remiss as a Portland Trailblazer fan <laughs> to not ask uh, what the hell they're doing.
1: I, I don't know. Maybe outside of Toronto, not – Trading guys, just a super confusing trade deadline. It was like when they traded Josh Hart. It was like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing here. Maybe they're going to go in a different direction. But then it was now nah, let's go add. You know, let's bring in guys this way. Okay, now nah, let's trade Gary Payton the second out and, and move him along. I just it, it's 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 odd they're they're in Portland. I don't really know a good way to to explain that. And it just feels like we're into I don't know year umpteen now of. Damian Lillard and another small guard was C.J. McCollum. Now it's Anthony Simons. And then a whole bunch of guys you kind of like, but you don't necessarily love. And and then they're probably going to give Jeremy Grant a contract I'll hate by the time it's signed. And, you know, we'll, we'll just see. But it's, it's just a weird, weird spot there in Portland. I, I felt like it was finally, you know, we kind of picked a direction, and now it's like, oh, let, let's, let's go a completely different way, and that just feels off to me.
0: And in this final short segment, Keith tackles the weirdest team in the East. The Atlanta
1: Hawks. Yeah, I don't know. They 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 didn't do a lot. They won got Sadiq Bay. That's fine. Um, yeah, you know, we'll see. That's a little bit of an odd fit because you already have DeAndre Hunter. That would have made been a move that would have made a lot more sense if they had traded Collins, but they didn't. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we might be sitting here ten years from now and saying, "Man, maybe the Hawks will trade John Collins uh, this year." Like it just, <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know what this team is is doing. They're confusing. They don't play enough defense. Their offense isn't good enough to bail them out. It feels like this is a team that. It's all going to kind of end in an early exit in the playoffs, and maybe it may be a team that hits a reset in a major, major way this summer, or maybe they're content to just keep plugging along around 500. I really don't know.
0: BetMGM Tonight airs Monday through Friday live from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's available on the Odyssey app as well. A million thanks to my co host many producers folks on the ground and everyone who listens to this podcast that is it for the bonus trade deadline episode of the heat check check back soon for an all-new episode and do not forget to watch the feed for past episodes and interviews please follow the heat check as the nba season heads towards all-star weekend download subscribe please tell your friends every single damn one of them and follow us on social at, at this heat check and at trista crick on TikTok. because the heat check never sleeps even after the trade deadline when it's 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Love y'all.
1: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA.